welcome to Way to Wellness, the podcast. I'm your host, Beck Russell, holistic wellness coach, yoga and meditation teacher, personal trainer, and overall well-being enthusiast. I believe that we have been led off the wellness path in our modern way of living, and it's time that we get back to basics, back to our roots, back on our way to wellness. I take a balanced and wholesome approach when it comes to wellness, knowing that every action, every interaction, every environment and every breath that we take has an impact on our state of well-being. This podcast will debunk all of the myths that we have been sold about what it takes to be well. Humans are complex beings, but being well does not have to be complex. Each week, we will explore a piece of the holistic wellness puzzle where myself and special guests will share our insights that we have learned along our way to wellness to support you to live a well, happy and vibrant life. Join me on the way to wellness. Raven Grace is a break teacher, acro yoga teacher and movement magician who is currently based in Tasmania and will be teaching in Melbourne early next year in January 2021. Here are a few fun facts and achievements of Raven so far. He has taught acro yoga and dance in 20 countries. He's a people of languages including sign language teaching dance and practicing movement for over 18 years. He has created Australia's first and biggest acro yoga flash mob in Melbourne. He has trained as a professional dancer in classical dance styles, ballet, jazz and contemporary. He is a qualified shiatsu practitioner. He has built a breaking community in Hobart in Tasmania, Australia, and these are just to name a few. And he is here today to share all of his knowledge and wisdom that he has learnt along his journey so far. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome, Raven Grace, to the Way to Wellness podcast. How are you? Hey, hey, Beck. Thanks for having me here. I'm going well, and yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. And thank you so much for joining us today to share all of your wisdom with our listeners. So can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be interested in this way of living Mm -hmm. and the journey that you took to become the teacher and the mentor that you are today? Well, that's a big question. Uh, Okay, we'll start start from the beginning. So I first had a lot of problems with my body. So physically, my body would hurt. I had a double S in my spine, which means that there's two curves instead of one. Um, walking down a hill um, on a slight incline, I'd get pain in my knees and I used to have to spend time on my back a lot trying to recover. I used to go to see chiropractors and things when I was 10 to 12, um, things like that. So from an early beginning, I had to go and learn about my body. So I learned a lot through receiving treatments initially, mm-hmm. um, always asking questions, why is this happening, what's going on? And then if I didn't do any physical exercise, then my body would be in a lot of pain. So it was kind of like I, ha- I had to be interested in it. There wasn't really a choice. Um, and from there, um, I was into football, AFL football, and Muay Thai, like the Thai kickboxing. Yeah. 
and then I found break dancing and I really loved breaking. So I would do that all the time. And a year in, I met someone who you actually know quite well, Beck, <laughs> Mr. Adam McKinn, a B-boy scope. So he was a break teacher who would come to practice and he would do Lotus for those listening out there, the position in yoga where they cross over both legs. And he'd be in that position walking around on his hands in a circle or doing the break, da- break dance moves. And um, we were like, oh, how is this guy so flexible? Why is he so cool? He was the coolest guy that we knew. And then um, he's like, well, if you want to do this cool stuff, you've got to do yoga. So he taught my brother, me and my brother yoga and qigong and used to give us massages. And um, that was at 15. So I guess that kind of started our interest in learning in other things. So after training breaking with our first mentor, Scove, who taught us about yoga and qigong and different ways of looking at things. Um, someone at dance school, Hayley Martin, she said, I said, oh, what are you doing next year after school? And she said, oh, I'm going to dance school. I said, what? You can go to dance school for uni. So she gave me a list of the places and I, I went and looked online and I found one of the schools had someone doing a breaking picture breaking freeze so then I went and made an audition in a squash court because I didn't have a dance school at that time um and then I went to dance school in Melbourne uh, where I studied for four years in ballet and contemporary dance and all those kind of things and then I was really loving the dancing doing you know um eight to ten hours a day and then after finishing um dance training school we would go and train breaking with other people where I found my other mentors and um, my next mentor was Yasushi Asaya who was a Japanese guy who studied um, martial arts yoga and breaking and um, he used to teach us about gravity and things and he used to say one quote don't fight gravity you're never going to win and he was he's like Yoda in real life as well like he would just um he could just do any movement from any place. So having him and scope as my teachers, they were always these um, visions in the back of my mind and, you know, the freedom that was possible. And it must've been so amazing for you to have those mentors and have that idea from quite a young age, high school age to know what you wanted to do and to, to uh, develop your passion from that early age. And I guess having those, mentors to kind of guide you along the way and lead you to um, where you are. And that leads us into the next question. Would you say that there was one pivotal moment in your life that changed the course of your life path and led you to where you are now? Or do you think it was more of a series of accumulated events or sequences over time that was more of like an organic progression? Yeah, I think it's the second one. It's definitely a series. I think a lot of good changes come from difficult moments. So difficult moments in relationships or life circumstances or physical ailments, often they're the um, blessings in disguise. I currently um, hurt my hip. I got run over by a car um, recently, not too bad, just on the back of my heel. And then I also um, did a breaking move on the same night. And so I'm not sure which one came first. Oh, goodness. <laughs> it's put me out for a few weeks. But in that um, being put out, I've just 
gone back and studied different things in the hip and different things in the knee. So I've discovered all these new training tools that perhaps I wouldn't have if I was feeling super healthy. Like normally I'm like out there enjoying the freedom of the movement. When something comes up like that, if you apply yourself to go back and learn, it can be the the greatest thing that changes your trajectory in that way. Yeah, that's right. And also I guess it sometimes, although it might not be as clear at the actual point in time, but when we have, I guess, a forced kind of pause, it gives us that opportunity to kind of slow down and just take a little bit of time for reflection too. Exactly. It's one of those things where you're glad it happened, but we just hope it doesn't happen again. Yeah. <laughs> so Get the I lesson and move on. I think I already know the answer to the next question, but I'll ask you anyway. Um, but in your opinion, would you say that there is a deep medicine and healing available to us through the art of dance and movement? And if so, can you just tell us a little bit more about that? And I guess you've already shared a few personal experiences <laughs> of that as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, my experience is that everything is everything. So all the things in the body are related to the things in the life. So um, one thing would be like having a passion that you're that you're really passionate about, like breaking, like say I want to get really good. If I want to get really good, then I start to look at my life, like what's my diet, what's my sleep, who are my friends, like how much do I need to, like, what else makes me healthy? Like the fresh, the air that I breathe, all these kind of things, emotions. So that's just one side, but in the actual practice itself, I find like each practice has a different offering. Um, for example, acro yoga is more about um, developing relationships and developing small supporting muscles and depending on which role you play. So those at home, the acro yoga is where you see people similar to circus balancing each other, working in pairs or trios, things like that. So if you're the person that's on the bottom, the base, you're learning how to support other people, take responsibility and build different muscles in your legs. And and then if you're the person at top, the flyer, the one in the air, you're learning to trust and speak up and put down your boundaries and also develop all your core muscles and all the muscles in your whole body. Whereas dancing is, it sounds like it. I mean, all dancing is a lot of fun, but it sounds like a lot of fun too, and something you can enjoy with the other people that you're practicing with as well. Yeah, exactly. So that's one of the greatest things about acro yoga is working with partners, working with a group of people. I think most people find it uh, challenging to find the motivation to say work out or go to the gym, but when you're with other people, you you enjoy each other's company and you're having fun and getting strong. And all those benefits, um, they're actually just side products. Like you're just focused on the move and having fun and all the other things happen automatically. So it's pretty great. Amazing. And um, what are your thoughts on, I know you trained in a few different styles of dance. So what are your thoughts on that too in terms of, and I guess it's relative to, to each individual, but in terms of cultivating that sense of, I guess, healing and the medicine that's available in any kind of, mindful movement yeah i think um each each style of dance offers a a different way of thinking and a different kind of movement medicine in that way for example um, if i was just to break it down into free form dance and train dance as two opposites 
like the freeform dance where you're not necessarily learning moves, but just going and dancing and having fun. Like you're learning how to listen to yourself and find your flow and move anything and find out what's inside of you. And it's kind of like cleaning everything. And then when you learn like a trained form of dance, like breaking or ballet or contemporary dance, you're learning how to build something. Like you're learning how to get the structure. You're learning how to create something more consistent. And the good thing about breaking, for example, is that you get, you get a bit of everything. Like you have to train movements in order to develop your body physically. But then we have the circle where people come in and out and dance. And it's in that space where you're developing your character, you're moving your emotions, you're developing your body physically. Um, it's yeah, pretty damn good. I love it. And it's so inspiring to me. Like anytime I watch, um, you know, people breaking online and I'm just like, I'm just always in awe of just the, you know, the amount of love and effort that they've had to put in the years of training to be able to do that with their body. It's just so amazing. Yeah. And that's one thing, even for me that I've been breaking now for 18 years and I still now am like, wow, like, wow, those people are so good. Like the people that have been practicing, like it takes so much, so much. And I guess like the nice thing that you learn along the way with movement is um, it's not about how good someone is. It's how well they're going with their own journey Yeah. because we all have different starting points. So someone like me, like if I could cross my legs in Lotus, then I would be like on top of the world, whereas other people start with that. But mm-hmm. what came more natural to me was doing handstands so I could do handstands for a couple of minutes and that was through hard work and training. But for me, it seems more natural than crossing my legs. So a little journey rather than um, comparing ourselves to others. Yeah, absolutely. Um- I hope you're enjoying this episode of Way to Wellness, the podcast. Are you ready to step into the highest version of yourself? Are you ready to upgrade your well-being in a personalized and holistic way? If the answer is yes, I'd love to invite you into my one-on-one private wellness coaching program that is now open for enrollments in January 2021. It's time to take control of your health and your life. It's time to step into the light and to share your light. It's time to live a well and happy life. It's time to reconnect with your true self. For full details of the program or to book a connection call with me, head to beckrussell.com. Now let's get back into the episode. Um, Can you, there might be a few answers to this question, but are you able to share with us some of the teachings or the the learnings that you then share with your clients and the people that you work with? And also the second part of that question is what can people expect when they come to work? and um, dance and move with you? Well, I would just say expect the unexpected. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I always love to have a few surprises in the things that I offer, um, which I always find it hard with marketing or telling people what they're in for. Yeah. But I do a thing called human gardening. That's kind of what I've coined it. And it's like I just want to know who the person is that I'm with and – we look at different body maps, so different parts, different 
body parts store different emotions or different thinking patterns. Um, I've got a background in some Chinese medicine and shiatsu, which I studied for a couple of years in Melbourne. Um, so I use those along with other movement practices like Feldenkrais and dance and acro yoga and parkour to work on different things. So I notice someone's personality, like we might have some conversations and questions before and they'll say, you know, like I'm just finding it really hard to commit to things at the moment. Then without talking about it necessarily, I'll get them to do some double-legged jumps. So it's where you go from two feet to two feet. And um, you take people outside doing like a parkour where you're jumping from one object to another object. And when you jump from two feet to two feet, there's no escaping. You have to commit 100%. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and and so we find ways to measure how far they can commit and then they start to find naturally where they can commit, they can't commit, how to come up against those barriers. And then once they develop those skills, they can take it on. It just happens automatically in the other parts of their life. And isn't or, it example, so interesting that you can use like so many different modalities for the same purpose? So for example, like what you're speaking about and being non-committal, like you could see a psychologist or a coach or, you know, many different things. So it's cool that there's so many different avenues that you can explore, including dance, which is also physical, the physical benefit as well to be able to unlock those, I guess, limiting beliefs that people might have. Yeah, and, and what often happens is, you know, whatever issue we experience, it's normally from our everyday life, so normally it's through the voice or through a relationship with someone or through an experience at work or, or whatever it is, school, family. But um, then coming at those issues through a physical point of view, it's like a new experience. So it's a new chance to have that experience. So, for example, if you're with a group of people in acro yoga or a group of people with dancing, that's the same kind of thing as your family or your friendship group but you're not using words because sometimes words are limiting or, for example, the way someone speaks to you <coughs> might have a belief around certain words. Like, um, you know, when someone says vegetarian, like all the connotations that come with that compared to someone just saying plant-based or I'm not sure that's the right example. but Yeah, I know what when, you're saying. I've, yeah. I've experienced that first because I am a vegan, but I don't um, ever speak about it because I'm like I'd rather just have it as something that's you know the way that I live rather than needing to um broadcast it to anyone and and it, it is kind of left open to a little bit of interpretation and I guess sometimes judgment from people so um yeah I totally understand what you're saying with that one so exactly yeah what you said then so you have judgment so if someone said oh, I'm vegan and then they offered you health advice or they said oh, I'm a meat eater and I have health advice automatically you get in the way like oh, I can't I don't know if I can receive that information is it in conflict with my values but if it's movement based you can just be healthy for what it is like it can just be and that's what often stops people from learning is these judgments and boxes that we make like people go oh, I'm not doing breaking like I can't do that I'm not doing parkour that's dangerous like mm. I'm not doing acro yoga I don't want to touch anyone <laughs> and then instead of like, oh, why don't we just go and move and see what's there? I guess like also not every teacher is like me in the way that my approach is around developing the person. So it is more around 
kind of a therapeutic feel and, and a life development rather than the skills themselves. But this, you know, we do it through having fun. And I think sometimes people don't see the value in simplicity and how all we need to do is have fun and get things moving and everything else will fall into play. Oh, I love that so much. It's so beautiful. Thanks. Uh, and can you tell us a little bit more about the osmosis sessions that you are running at the moment? Yeah, so osmosis is just a term that I used when I was at Shiatsu School. One of the teachers said to me that I learned through osmosis, which is the process of learning by being around people. So I don't necessarily take in as much learning from what they're saying, but by how they are and the way that. So it's more like receiving through our other senses, like our body intelligence and things like that. So this happens naturally in a lot of things that we do. They say like, you know, you pick up languages when you live in a, in a country and you're hearing it all the time. Like it just comes in that way. And it's the same thing with movement and, and healthy practices like that. So when we do classes, if I'm doing the movements with them and we're practicing together, they can sometimes learn quicker than just uh, directed teaching. So we do a combination of instructed exercises and then free form practice. And the exercises themselves will just be a mix of things. So, Like I said before, I just read the, the group. I ask them if they have any injuries or things they like to work on. And then we develop the class on the spot. So um, my background, I've had 18 years of movement practice, which has involved um, massage and parkour and partner dance, Feldenkrais, um, all those kind of things. And then so this week we did house dancing, we did some parkour, we did some spinal movements, we did some like kind of stretching, some animal movements and a bit of breaking. And, yeah, people loved it. Uh, I just noticed like something changes. Someone's like, ah, oh, that they might have difficulty learning that particular style. So like, how can we rephrase that and keep the group flow going? And yeah, that's osmosis, just a mix of sharing things either verbally or physically or whatever else is in the air. I love that. And it sounds so much fun and it does sound like a really beautiful kind of organic um, session that kind of comes together in the moment, which sounds really amazing. Um just leading on from that, do you have any advice that you would give to someone who's an absolute beginner and would like to try any of these movement practices that you teach and mentor um, that maybe is a little bit hesitant, uh, you know, in stepping into that kind of practice? You could just send me a message. Anyone could send me a message um, and I'm quite happy to direct them that way. But if anyone wants to just practice themselves, I would just start with something small on YouTube start simple and just the hardest thing for anything for anyone is to start and the best way to break that is to do something that's impossible to fail so if you said i'm going to do 30 seconds of movement every day that would be absolute bullshit if you could not do 30 seconds a day like you know you scroll for way more than 30 seconds a day just getting your priorities in order hey yeah, so you wake up, set a timer for 30 seconds and just roll your shoulders. Like if you just roll your shoulders for 30 seconds, I guarantee you'll probably be there for about an hour still going, you know what I mean, or half an hour, like you just get that ball rolling. 
And the best thing to do is just spend time with yourself. Like spend time by yourself. Feel your body, feel what it needs. And it might be a little bit stiff if you're starting again and starting new, but you just follow the pathway and, and you learn to trust yourself by spending time there. And then yeah, just one foot in front of the other. And I guess once you take the first step, then the path kind of starts to unfold for you. Yeah, exactly. And then once you feel um, you're feeling good and you're feeling ready, um, reach out to people and start like maybe contact people for a class, find out who's running some classes and just start, just start simple and make it about fun. And once you develop the passion and fun for it, um, then it's no longer work or effort or a strain. You're not going to work out like a hard thing. You just can't wait for it. You know, it becomes your life where you're doing it all the time. And you and you start to shift everything around for that, like you, it's that feeling of feeling good and healthy flow, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we'll switch gears a little bit here. I've got a couple of questions just uh, about you personally before we wrap up today. Yeah. So what would you say that you're the greatest lesson that you've learned so far on along your journey? Um, the greatest lesson is that it doesn't matter at all what you do. It just matters that you practice. Yeah, so I love that. You don't need, you won't find the information from someone else. You'll only find it from yourself. So as long as you practice, you'll find the way. Uh, what would you say that your number one priority is uh, in regards to your own personal well-being practice? So obviously you do a lot of uh, mindful movement throughout your days and your weeks. Is there any other practices that are kind of um, really supportive for you or that would be your number one priority? Um, the number one priority, I guess, if I just bring it into my practice, would be just getting a general basic movement in the main parts of the body. So if we get the spine going um, in Chinese medicine, the, there's a bunch of points either side of the spine, yeah, uh, right next to the spine, and they all go out to the physical organs. And then if you go out to the next line, there's another line from the inside of the scapula all the way down the back, and that's kind of your emotional and spiritual points. So if we're getting our spine moving healthy from the centre, at a minimum, then at least everything's getting a little bit of healthy love. Yeah, um, so important. Yeah, and then the other things would just be um, walking and dancing. Like if you just do a bit of freeform dance, you can move your body to where it needs. Um, and then walking pretty much does everything. I know it's, it sounds super simple, but it's only from those, once those basic things are there, um, then everything else develops. The other thing I would say is just getting those basic movements of twisting, side bend, and arching and flexing of the back. Yeah. My Japanese teacher, yes, told me about that. Um, so he's like, all movements pretty much come from those movements. So if you get those base movements, you know, if you're doing a particular yoga position where you've got both arms crossed and one leg straight and one leg's bent, like, it can be really beneficial to target specific things. But if we practice all of the yoga poses or all of the qigong postures or all of the martial arts dances or all of the breaking moves, that takes about 10 hours per day. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's not enough time in the day. But if you can get a basic rhythm going and then you can play on different days with those specific things, 
Yeah, absolutely. And then for the like emotional health and more balance there, it's just basic uh, Qigong, which is what I learned back with scope. And that's just simple things like riding on the wind, which is a movement of moving your arms up and down or embracing the sky, so circling your arms up and down. So it's we often train our physical body, but what we do when we train qigong or softer practices is training that um, that internal world, making it nice. Um, or you know how a lot of people these days practice kind of Wim Hof style. It's just like training our lungs. So alongside your personal well-being practices, do you have any kind of morning routines, or do you do much reading? Do you meditate? Um, I do some journaling which is from, do you know the book The Artist's Way? Yes. So for those out there that don't know, The Artist's Way is an awesome book. It goes for 12 weeks. It's a self-directed course. And one of the exercises is just doing the morning pages. And I found that actually doing the journaling helped me to learn what meditation was rather than the other way around. So Mm -hmm. I like to do that. Um, What else? And I think like learning new skills, like if I find I'm not learning things, I can become a bit stagnant. So at the moment I'm learning how to shuffle cards. Um, but it can be anything like learning a musical rhythm. So trying to learn one thing a day, if I can learn something small, then that feels pretty good. Amazing. Yeah, I'm a perpetual student as well, so I can definitely relate to that one and wanting to learn new things and keep you know everything fresh. It's tricky keeping that balance between um, not getting learning too many things kind of like where your energy spread in so many directions but yeah and also just I guess giving yourself a bit of time to integrate to and really embody what you what it is that you've just learned right this doesn't seem that we need another week of just integration time per week (laughs) (laughs) now is there any final words of wisdom or anything else that you'd like to share that we haven't covered yet so far yes if there's anything you want to do, just do it. <laughs> don't wait. Like, don't don't waste your life not doing it. Uh, I know there's so many times, you know, I'm kind of the person that goes out there and does what they want to do, but I also sometimes beat around the bush. And I think just more and more and more I learn, like, it's okay to make mistakes. Like, it's actually essential. Like, just go out, make mistakes, just do the thing keep doing the thing that makes you feel uncomfortable, but not to the point where you're paralyzed. There will never be a time where it feels like you're ready. You just get ready by doing it. Yeah, that's so amazing and something we all, I think, need to lean into a little bit more. And uh, thanks for getting me into that point this week with the interview. (laughs) (laughs) It's my absolute pleasure. And can you share with us... um, where the audience can stay connected with you and also any upcoming offers that you have available. Yeah, so I'm in Tasmania, Hobart, until the 20th of December, and then I'll head over to Melbourne. We're running a summer series of Acro Yoga um, six-week series, so there'll be a beginner series on Monday nights, intermediate on Tuesday, and an open class on Wednesday, which will be focused on washing machines. I'll also be running some private classes and some osmosis classes in Melbourne. 
as well as some dance. You can find all those details on The Nourishing Nomad on Facebook or Instagram. And, yeah, feel free to reach out, ask any questions, or if you want some help on finding someone in your local area, yeah, you could send me a message as well. Perfect. And we'll link uh, to all your socials in the show notes as well. Raven, thank you so much for your time today and sharing all of your wisdom that you've learned on your way to wellness. Thanks, Beck, and thanks so much for inviting me and being a lovely host. And that's a wrap for another episode of Way to Wellness, the podcast. You can follow Raven at the underscore nourishing underscore nomad on Instagram and the nourishing nomad on Facebook. You can follow the podcast at Way to Wellness Podcast and you can follow myself Beck Russell at underscore Beck Russell. And remember, if you loved this episode, you can share it on your Instagram stories and tag both myself and Raven so that we can see it and know that you guys are loving these episodes. And you can also share the podcast with someone that you know will enjoy listening or leave us a rating or review. It really does just help us to reach more people. And until next time, take really good care of yourself and I'll talk to you again soon.